we are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. Television is reality, and reality is less than television. All necessities provided, all anxieties tranquilized, all boredom amused. presentation the pause button with your host Borzoi Boscovich today I am convinced that in general a man should not publicly take part in politics before the age of 30 except for cases of extraordinary talent until then a man's mental development will mostly consist in acquiring the necessary knowledge to serve as the groundwork of a general platform one from which he can evaluate different political problems one must first acquire a fund of general ideas, a worldview. Then he will have that mental equipment necessary for consistency and steadfastness in the formation of his political opinions. He will then be qualified to take part in politics. Otherwise, he will run a twofold risk. He may find that his original position was wrong, at least regarding some essential questions. He will then either have to abandon his former position or else stick with it against his better judgment. And after reason has shown it to be shown it untenable in the former case, he will find himself in a difficult personal situation. He will appear inconsistent and will lose the right to expect his followers to remain loyal. The followers themselves may see him as lacking in judgment, causing them to feel uncomfortable and nervous. In the second case, which happens frequently, the leader no longer has the power of personal persuasion. Hence, the defense of his cause becomes hollow and superficial. He now becomes vulgar. He no longer fights seriously for his political ideas. No man will die in defense of something he, that he does not believe. And he makes increasing demands on his followers. Indeed, the greater his own insincerity, the more unfortunate and inconsiderate becomes his claims on his followers. Finally, he abandons the last vestiges of true leadership and becomes a politician. At this point, his only consistency is his inconsistency. Combined with overbearing insolence and an artful lying, all developed to a shameful degree. This is the triumphant return of the pause button. I'm your host, Borzoi, and joining me on this uh, illustrious panel today, we have Lewis from the National Institute for Game Review. Hello. Uh, it's good to be here today. Uh, I will wear the institution of pause button as a skin suit. <laughs> we also have joining us uh, Nikkei. Repping the Federalists, how you doing? <laughs> and finally, we also have our buddy Kegs. How you doing, Kegs? Doing well, and I'll be representing the Hitlerite nationalist socialists, as they say. <laughs> yes, and so I would, I would almost said this week, implying as though <laughs> which it implies the Bosman is a weekly ep a show that has a consistent schedule and doesn't run into massive hiatuses. I'm not going to even talk about that. I'm trying to release new episodes. I don't need to get in on, into all that. Everyone's here to hear us talk about a movie. Let's talk about a movie. We're talking about the 2020 documentary film Boy State, although it kind of veer verges on just being a movie, not so much a documentary. Uh, that was. Produced by Jesse Moss and Amanda McBain. I think they're a husband and wife uh, duo, basically. And the... Uh, actually, 
one one of you would you want to take a crack at what saying uh, what this movie is actually about or what the ostensible uh, idea behind this film is? Yeah, I, this movie is to tell you about something that like happens every year in every state, and you never hear about it because it just doesn't have like a a very public facing cultural cachet. But it's something that's taken very seriously by a lot of people, but not enough people that you're likely to have ever heard about it. And so there's a there's an interest in that alone. The fact that it's also based around, you know, Americanism and politics makes it all the more appealing to an audience. I think that's the purpose of it. I well, interpreted oh, this documentary as the Jewish director shooting up a flare into the sky, telling libtards to colonize this institution because there's a dangerous amount of unreconstructed young white men in all so, these state programs. So this is where I uh, I think you're – this is actually a celebration of them already doing it. This year when they when – they, or was it 2018 when they filmed? This is the document of how they – how we destroyed this institution. Um, they are, are – this is a celebration of that. Uh, it's already over effectively. So the, the whole documentary is – it's shown as in a reaction to the previous year when the kids said, you know, fuck it. We're going to seed from the union. And that's what they did uh, as the Texas boys state. And that was obviously like a Trumpist feeling. So uh, before this, they don't even go into it. They pretend it didn't happen. But traditionally, they select the uh, participants by from the, uh, the what is it, the, the American Legion halls. They all send like two or three. They change because of like the Texas incident, they changed it to where 25% are sent from the American Legion about, and the rest are sent from, uh, they go to guidance counselors in like public schools. So they are basically, they already paused up this kind of conservative civic thing. And this is their victory lap effectively. And we see a lot of that, like even just like the the demographics of, of what this, of like that you see in the people. This is already them showing that they won, that they've positive, and they pretend the American Legion picked all these kids. Uh, in let's, fact, they, they didn't. Let's take a step back here for for people who may not have. I do because I do have people who actually don't watch the movies; they just want to hear a, a show. And even for people who saw it, because I can tell you, I, I never even heard of this thing before until I first encountered. It. So let's just take a text, take a step back and describe a little bit of what we're talking about here. So for people who aren't aware, the American Legion is a basically a, a veterans civic organization. Actually, one of my grandfather's was in it, but it was formed after World War One. They they were a big part of the of getting the GI Bill passed and all that. And they're all about they put they promote a lot of trying to instill civic values in uh, the young through things like Boy State, which again I had never even heard of this thing before. So, what is Boy State exactly? Not just the documentary. But what is this thing? Because this is actually the first, like I said, this is the first time I had ever even encountered this before. So, yeah, it's a political simulation event. It takes place over the course of a few days. It's a summer camp uh, for high school uh, boys, uh, rising seniors. So, after your junior year go participate in this political simulation you are randomly assigned into one of two fictional parties the federalists and the nationalists and uh your first task is uh forming a charter 
you're, you're split into different cities. This is basically your your cabin, uh, where, where you'll meet the closest people you'll be around uh, during the process. Uh, you have a task set before you to establish a city charter, and that's writing up a formal document uh, like any other city and incorporating yourself, setting, laying down the rules, establishing positions. You know, there, there's a, a guided process for how you're supposed to do this, but they leave it in your hands to follow the instructions and add or exclude whatever it may be that you have or that you come up with um, when forming this document. Uh, and throughout every day, you know, you'll go to different lectures. People will speak on different topics uh, of, you know, civic importance. And at the end of the day, you're left to, you know, carry out these tasks of forming a society the way that this happens in the United States. And so as you progress, you uh, start to act upon this institution you've created by running in elections and holding positions and basically LARPing as if you were, you know, somebody in a real elected position holding different uh, sessions of legislature, passing bills, debating, etc. Uh, it's, it's a very hardcore electoral simulation. And a big aspect is the personalities that are drawn to this. For me, it was something that I came across because, and, and Nikkei and I are the two boys on this who attended Boys State. It's something I heard about in trying to build an application to get into one of the military academies. And that's how I heard about it was researching the type of candidates, the military academies look to. And at least when I went to it, that's exactly the type of boy it attracted the sort of Eagle scout type outdoorsy, very patriotic, very, uh, deferential to authority, respectful of authority. And I had nothing but respect for the legionaries who put it on and the other young men who attended it. And specifically it was for the summer after junior year of high school. And I think in this movie, it comes out just how differently developmentally some boys are at that time, depending on whether you're 16, whether you're 17, whether you're 18, you've got basically Chad walking around in, in a wife beater, flexing on all the other boys, challenging them to push up contests for dominance. And then, you know, the guys who, try and win elections with facts and logic. And I had a positive experience at Boys State, but from what Lewis was saying, it, it does sound like there have been substantial changes to the program me and Nikkei went to, where 
at least I had to go to my local American Legion post and interview and write an essay on patriotism and why I loved America. And back then I did. Back then I was a patriot. Now, yeah, it's, Lewis, what it's, was this? Oh, go ahead, Nikki. It's such an interesting experience uh, watching this movie and going back to those days in my memory of attending and just like how much I I was excited and in like uh, eager to participate in the system. I, I think from state to state there there might be a lot of variance, but also can be just year to year. Uh, what I saw in in the documentary was very different from the experience I had. Uh, yeah, we had like really just hardcore military men uh, taking it very freaking seriously and they expected you to take it seriously and they would get in your face if you're out of line like i at risk of going like too into movie content before we really get to that just things like having your cell phone out and like uh being able to just surf the web uh doom scrolling during the day that wasn't a thing uh we weren't allowed to have cell phones all of our notes were handwritten. They gave us pad and paper. Uh, we had to do everything in a very austere manner. Uh, like I said, it's very military. So we had to march to and fro. Uh, we had. Oh, they had you guys marching. Wow. Yeah, no, we had uh, the JROTC uh, guy who was in our city. You know, he had experience with marching. So he would lead. He would keep uh, keep the pace. And instruct us, drill us on marching. We had to, we had to drill until we we got it down. And I'm talking like your foot fell at the right time, and you didn't make a mistake, or else you're starting over. That's how we did it. I saw a lot of sloppiness uh, in the, in this Texas uh, boy state uh, compared to what I experienced. So for me, I mean, there wasn't really much room for the same personality competitions that ended up playing out uh in the elections what we saw in this in this movie it was uh in a way it almost made the election part in my experience superficial because you know there wasn't really a an expectation that you should just you know do what seems like in organic politics it was more a facts and logic based uh election system like when you were debating an opponent opposing candidate on an issue like you went issue by issue and like the the legionnaires in charge of it didn't have any room for you know being goofy i think trump changed all of that uh, in a in a big way that's his impact on boy state was seen in this movie um and and you could probably and you could probably see that impact with the incident that lewis was refer that i mean it's kind of the the background incident for the movie itself as well the in uh, the incident is referring to the uh texas secession incident that had happened i think it was the 2017 texas boy state which is freaking awesome by the way <laughs> they voted to secede and they had their own boys nation uh, as as as, as someone watching it 
you get like it's like I was there because uh, I had this thought like damn I would just of course because you know I knew who I was I'd be tr- and if I could go back to that age I, I never went to a boy state but I knew these guys um like what well you could just do a fascist coup and then I realized oh wait that's what they did last year they did like a fascist coup effectively and this is why this is happening now and why it's so you can you can tell it's been popped up and I and uh, one of the funniest things that I read and I'll maybe you do know more about this is that I read it I read like the Reddit threads on the movie and a couple people were like what state in like 1995 and uh, it was like going to boot camp and I was just like constantly yelled at and you know did a lot of military stuff and I hated it <laughs> this this oh, that, what what is this you know that's the experience I had. The funny thing was, uh, there were some, you know, old timer legionnaires uh, at the registration, and he said, "You know, 14 years ago, we would have shaved your fucking head when you got here, so you better appreciate the fact that you can now keep your hair while you're attending." You know, the back in my day, posting was hot and heavy, and it happened almost immediately. So, would you? Oh. I think that's uh we we've prefaced this pretty well then i don't know how do we kind of i guess tackle this i i'm, I'm looking at my notes here the um I, I had written down here the opening scene talks about the 1984 brave new world dichotomy and while it's not necessarily wrong to explore these things this is how americans are taught oppression looks like so when they are actually oppressed they don't think it's oppression actually i can tie this into what we're just talking about here because much like how we're talking about how boy state used to be and i guess i mean to what extent that this documentary is even real because i know there's some questions about that if this is what boy state has become like it you can see in a similar way that now kids are taught like this is what politics is and not like the what you had to do in terms of having a civic understanding in previous iterations of of boy state you're seeing it move towards at least if the way if what's being depicted in this movie is accurate you're seeing it turned into kind of the, this this flash and no substance like 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 a miniature finkel think really like they the way that they set these these two sides up there's nothing uh, i mean it's even funny because the names they use for the two teams in this are federalists and nationals and there, and there's no substantive difference between the two well they, oh, well, they think- have to do that because like you can't just say like, oh, you know, when you're applying like checkbox, if you're conservative or if you're liberal and we'll divide you that way. They need to make the teams even for it to be a, a, a competition uh, as well as a simulation. So they have uh, and I think it actually serves their ends well, because what this means is what your party becomes isn't a ideological headcount. It, it's just a political organ and you have to sort your ideology out yourself as a party and uh, you know that's not how things work today but it's it's a it's a very fun way of simulating how parties might have looked at a different point in time well in well, many ways can, and okay it's, at it's least what, in my experience there was it was set up to come about at the end where we both realize that we're all Americans. It doesn't matter the political parties at, at least however many years ago, it was set up to jettison that party. And at the end you come around or 
around the flag. You realize how stupid the party is. You vote at the end really based on the quality of the individual. And you you sing the national anthem and you kind of ride off into the sunset. That's not what happened in this movie. And that's a difference between my experience in this movie's treatment of parties. So the the system that it sets up, or like the rules of the game, um, are actually a really good model for it's like post war democracy when it doesn't actually matter and it's kind of carefully managed. In that both parties are basically identical with like minute differences, and it it's a really good simulation of that of like a, a politics without radicalism, where radicalism is actually banned. Um, and the rules of the game reflect that. And that's why, so the, the filmmakers are trying to push like a Trump thing onto this. And it doesn't quite make it because the actual rules of the game are, are, are based around like a very neoliberal kind of democracy where there's a very limited Overton window and the party's active differences are, you know, effectively nil. Uh, in terms of like whatever policy or state state uh, stance they take, and that's true, but I don't want to give the impression that it doesn't make it any less fun, because there there is this uh, story that has to play out, where you've got to figure your party out because you want to win for your team, right? Uh, so, like in the beginning, you you have these parties with people who hold really different views. And they just have they have to go through the process of sorting out like, all right, what can we come up with that we can all agree to and, you know, put our names to it, it despite like these differences we have. And, you know, it, Duvinger's law is in full effect here when it comes to like, you know, crowding out uh, the extremes and uh, it's a race to the center. But uh going through that is an actual like entertaining process to, to be a part of, you know, the, the internal dirty work that has to uh, take place before you can actually, you know, stand up as an external force to be reckoned with. And like all the while, you know, it's a competition. So if you're spending more time like squabbling internally, uh, there's this, you know, thing in the back of your mind where you're thinking, all right, the other team might have its shit together already, and they're already past this, so we just need to get this fucking done. I guess that might be a different experience between us then, because by the end I got the impression that the exercise was meant to teach us how stupid <laughs> political parties are. And I think if you're just in a camp for, I don't know, the majority of a week with a bunch of guys, you, you do build those bonds of friendship. And by the end, you did have friendships across party lines. And I, I think we might've even had our, our city was divided into parties. So you're, you're talking with people in your city, your city isn't completely homogenous in terms of parties. And almost in the end, you're more loyal to your city than your party. But it 
the what set the tone for me was in the title card or whatever saying that it was founded in 1935 so that's a very interesting time for this program to be founded and <laughs> i can guarantee that it was founded in response to national socialism and the hitler youth where the democrat uh, democratic forces within america saw national socialism they saw the mass appeal and politic politicization of the german youth and they thought what can we put together that's equivalent and this was meant to drum up patriotism drum up enthusiasm for democracy train the next generation of American officers, because so many of these kids end up going to the academies. So to make them ideological fighters for the democratic system. But what has happened is it's basically a tin soldier that, that was wound up in 1935 and it's been marching for decades and decades and decades. And now it's taken on the attributes of the society that America has degenerated into. And that's what you see in the figures in this movie. It's funny you, you, should, uh, you should say that because actually the reason Boy State was started was as a direct response to the, the youth summer camps of the Young Communist League in America. Uh, yeah. The, the I'm, Legion I'm, saw I'm, I'm, the, these camps prop what? up and they're like, we need to do something for the youth too because we can't let the communists hold the... Uh, monopoly on like you know indoctrination narrative there are now there were rumors that because like, that's basically the the american legion that's what that's their official line on that although there have been rumors that was in response to the the hitler youth but the uh the, the young pioneers program tends to be more the uh the uh, sourced origin or the reaction to it i i find that story to be more convincing because like that was happening in America and you didn't really have a Hitler youth in the United States. Like sure. They, they could like not like what they saw uh, in Germany, but it wasn't as close to home as like the, uh, the communist threat. Uh, and sure. I, I just think that's a, there's like more to substantiate that uh, perspective than yeah. the alternative. In in the sense of what uh, at least what this movie depicts of you know with, with these kids what the, one of the most striking things for me was it kind of shows how woeful the situation is for white nationalists and why the same failed strategies keep repeating over and over and over again because they they tackle politics completely as outsiders with zero understanding of the internal mechanics of the mach machine so they think they can just easily you know just attack it head on or infiltrate it acting like you know all the you know this is where we get the idea of like a sneaking up on them like that as though these people are unaware dummies like they haven't been groomed since they were teenagers to do this kind of janissary training like that was the thing that was kind of amazing to me <laughs> when i was watching this is like how aware these these kids are in terms of wanting to be political actors in the within the democratic yeah. system <laughs> yes no the should we get into uh, the, I guess into that the, could in, go like into a, into the first character uh, that we're introduced to, which is this very uh, ugly Jewish amputee Ben Feinstein, who becomes one of the uh, the main players in the in the uh, film, and you know helps uh, reach the conclusion. He plays a big role in it. 
Uh, also, uh, it's not important. They picked him. Uh, he was one of the characters that like, they like mic'd up for this for this uh, thing. So they 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 really want to emphasize uh, Feinstein, the uh, yeah. producers. What, well, yeah. what amused me is that he that as the Jew, he didn't want to run for president. He wanted to be the party behind the president. He wanted to be the power behind the president. Yeah, he was the party chairman of the Federalists, and uh, you know when we were first introduced to him. Uh, he's in his room with his uh, Lego sets above his computer. He's talking to his brother, um, you know, describing to the uh, camera interviewer his amputee condition. Like he he does the whole Jewish bit like, oh, I know I'm ugly, but I'm still got a part to play in all of this. <laughs> and uh, he, he's got like a Ronald Reagan action figure uh, and describes his uh, in individualist perspective like he uh, specifically criticizes viewing things in terms of race and gender uh he says i'm just a white american uh but i'm i'm more than that i'm i'm just i'm an individual uh i'm ben feinstein and he really is ben feinstein uh he he really like he I feel bad for the kid because they prop this thing probably torpedoed any kind of actual like Republican Party internship he could get. Um, <laughs> because Why do you say that? No. <laughs> they they make him uh, he like they they make this kid into the villain of the film, and uh, very very directly uh, he everything that like is questionable is put in his hands. Uh, all the no, agency no. of everyone. Wait, no. They, no. This is he's flawed a, logic. He's here. a you, Republican you, hero. Yeah, no. Any Republican, you know, uh, professional groomer who's supposed to go out and find, you know, uh, youth to make into, you know, professional politickers, they can they see this as a highlight reel. Like, they see this guy and they're like, "We need this kid." This is if this is nothing but good for his career. I'm I'm convinced. I don't know because if there was like a highlight reel of 18 year old Carl Rove behaving like Carl Rove, I, I feel like it would have he you know he it makes it just, this thing kind of I think kind of makes you toxic. And well, uh, I think I think uh, he no did way. torpedo he, he did torpedo his career because he wrote a or at least like he wants to be a commentator because he wrote a a. Uh, an editorial for the Hollywood Reporter in March 9th, 2021. Boy State subject, Texas conservatives can learn from Ocasio-Cortez. I am about as far <laughs> from a socialist or leftist as anyone can get, Ben Feinstein wrote. But my favorite politician right now is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Wow. Jew with the hot take, you know. Well, put, also put it, to the other Jews with the hot take. In his, like, where are they now? He's like, yeah, I'm looking to uh, work for the you know, Department of Defense, Department of, you know, like Department of Homeland Security. Like he's an aspiring glowy at the end. I think he kind of gets, he kind of realizes what he's done and like oh. just being publicly dishonest and decides, actually, I'll be a glowy. I fuck this like election shit. Was he, because I, I just, I made the mistake of just writing the quote down and didn't put who said it. I have a, in my notes, I want to go into the CIA or FBI. Yes, that's that, it. Was he the one who said that? It was him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the reason I think that the GOP would love him is, and and 
excuse me if I'm getting a little ahead, at one point there's sort of a social media campaign against the other party. And when the social media campaign, there, there's sort of an internal split within the Nationalist Party and it's long racial lines. And the moment the campaign takes a racial edge against the opposite party, Feinstein disavows he, he, he calls off his troops, and the moment he could have kind of taken down the other party, he, he holds back because he would have dipped his toe into racism. Oh, yeah. And, well, and racial politics. And that's why I think they'll, he, he'll be beaten off like GOP apparatchiks with like a, a stick. It's, this is actually a good segue into the next, uh, next person we're introduced to, or not the next one, but, uh, uh, the third one. No, is he actually he's fourth. Sorry. Um, it doesn't matter the but, order. Just... Uh, yeah, it, no, it doesn't matter. The what? Well, it's not just a social media campaign. It's it's an all out meme war. Uh, they have their own little meme war making Instagram accounts to post uh, memes. And can I just say, by the way, this, this movie made me really hate Zoomers and their sense of humor. <laughs> It really, it really, it really drove home on how obnoxious I find it. Uh, the, yeah. So like, what what comes to uh, racial memes? Like, well, like all in all good meme wars, it it eventually becomes racist, and they start comparing uh, the the lead the leader of the uh, or the chairman of the nationalists, uh, Renee, uh, to. The, the cinnamon stick from the Apple Jacks commercial. Here I um, come, I am cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> That's high praise. High praise. <laughs> uh, I could tell you uh, my opinions about what I think this particular guy looks like, but I wouldn't have come up with cinnamon. Uh, that, but that was funny. Uh, and yeah, well, after I, that I thought out, he looked like Dr. Fasolier from the Princess and the Frog movie by Disney. I mean, he's I I mean it's not inaccurate to say this guy has like purple lips and bug eyes. <laughs> I, I was I was dying when, when that was posted in the chat. In fact, actually for the show, I'll put up I'll post a picture of Renee and a, a picture of him side by side and I'll let I'll let the audience be the judge. So yeah, let, let's talk about Renee for a bit. He's he's the gay nigger of of this and he's the the party chairman of the nationalists um he's very outspoken as gay niggers are want to be uh so he has that sort of uh charisma that you know if you don't know any better you go along with because you know it's it's got a it it's interesting uh and some other people can be boring in comparison but you know if you know better you know like this is still a gay nigger and i you know the shuck and jive routine uh, shouldn't influence you know my my view of this guy just because of that fact of who he is. Uh, but he he does well for himself. Uh, he gets into a very high position as the party chairman. I mean he he gets a lot of influence as that. He runs all the meetings uh, within the party, and uh, you know what happens with the party is his call. Uh, he's an activist for other imprisoned niggers in his personal life. All his whole, his whole thing is, um, you know, just 
the the he got somebody out of jail. He got someone. Yeah, he got somebody out of jail or something, right? But uh, he's also notable that he of the three main character or four main characters, he was not pre-selected by the documentarians. They discovered him amidst this process. Um, That makes a lot of sense. Uh, because you, he's, he is kind of unsuspecting in that he's he's just kind of unsightly. Uh, he's got a lot of acne scars across of his across his face, um, and and he's just got this blatant gay affect to him. I mean, he wears one earring, uh, like a, a hoop earring in one ear. He's just gay. He he's gay just ear, extremely ear. <laughs> flaming fucking fag. And uh, you wouldn't really want to put the camera on his face for too long because it's gross. Oh, but yeah, I, re- I, re- just out- I remember when people used to say that. I remember when people used to say the pause button was a good entry point for normies. <laughs> yeah. Well, can we talk about like just broadly because it, it's not like a big note, but this, and I'll get to it later when I, when I discuss like the style of cinema. But they, sh- I get it. Like they're they're teenagers at camp. They're sweaty and they're greasy or whatever. But this thing is movie is shot like with a bizarre and kind of like Jewish emphasis on the gross. There's like loving shots of a kid's white head at one point. They really like zoom in on like these kids' faces in like their unsightly the action shots of them eating in the cafeteria. Yeah, it's it's big, really really bizarre. I don't want to pick on teenagers, but the way that they, yeah, the way they shot this movie, it it seems like they were just emphasizing how dysgenic Texas looks now. (laughs) One of the big takeaways I had from this uh, uh, movie was uh, the the Full Metal Jacket line about Texas being full of steers and queers. Well, now it's now they're one and the same. (laughs) Uh, You have you have. steer queers and you have weaklings queer steers and like they're all pretty gay yeah well that's the thing is they hide like uh i guess what bobby or bob or whatever robert and the other guy rob yeah they they like it's i mean it's very like i don't want to get too much into the aesthetic posting but like they hide and silo off like the more aesthetic looking kids and they focus on the gross as like it's this perception of like, oh, we're looking at real realities or real teens, I think was the idea. But like, there are like people that are, aren't ugly. They're just not focused on in this movie uh, by design. Yeah, no, it's, it gives you a very strong 56%er vibe. Well, then you you also well, have the, the chat, the chat who's also very uh, acquiescent as well, because there's like kind of a, it's just a weird. You get a weird vibe off of him as the as the movie goes on. Well, well yeah. Like, so the- I wanted to ask Borzoi. So I thought the most interesting aspect of Renee's character is that he moved from Chicago to Texas, and you'll notice that Esteban talks about his mother and his mother swam across the Rio Grande or whatever the fuck. But I don't remember Renee talking about his parents. And I'm betting it's because they're probably it's probably some like white uh, rich guy in in Chicago. Um, I don't know, knocked up one of the locals and then brought her back down to Texas. I don't know what 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 was your well, sense? They Renee, also did. Do you think, 
he wasn't a design character so they didn't like they don't have they didn't do like a pregame with him like they didn't film a pregame so yeah that's right they found him on site so yeah i don't know borzoi so you're the the mulatto expert among us (laughs) what a a shameful title to have you're the 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 father's white or the mother's white uh, hey guys! Hey guys! I just found uh, a picture of Renee's family. Why don't I just go ahead and uh, oh and boy, pop this, and pop this in the chat here? Do it. We can get a live. Can, can I put my prediction in? Can I put yeah, yeah, guys, in? go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, and get your get your predictions out. My my prediction is that the father is white, and the resentment of having the masculine figure in his life not look like him drove him in part probably there's other reasons but in part to homosexuality my guess is i don't quite have a guess but i really want to point out how much of a shame it is that being a mulatto expert doesn't pay nearly what it used to (laughs) (laughs) used to be a very well-paid position in this country and it's a shame that we can't you know come back to that uh no he doesn't look uh too mulatto to me i I think um he's probably at most uh 25 percent white Uh, i'm gonna say uh, one fully black and one mulatto parent. I'm sorry to do this to you guys. I I screwed up. That's that was the that that was just a picture of him with the the, the director and the wife. Shit, because like I saw a picture uh, and like and I, I thought like oh that's gotta uh, be it gotta be it. But I, I I jumped the gun on that. Darn. Yeah. Have to, he do be he, he yeah. do be light light skinned though. <laughs> Which yeah, I, I, I thought mean, it, it's not ringing like mulatto. He's he's definitely blacker than that. I. I couldn't get too mad at Renee because I knew whatever sort of revenge scenarios these white boys who got, you know, run out of positions from him could come concoct would have nothing on the Chicago niggas who slammed this homo into lockers for being uh, light in the loafers during high school. I mean, this kid, if he went to public school in Chicago, which I, you know, I, I, I almost hope for his sake he didn't. He would have like literally had the shit beat out of him on uh, a daily basis. So the worst fate Renee could have ever suffered was to have been forced to live around blacks, and 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 it almost goes to show that he. He he craves living around whites. He he craves whites to be racist in the same way that you had. It's like the the comic of the libtard who wishes he was in Trump's gulag so he could donate his gruel to a impoverished person of color. In the same way, Renee wishes he had to face the Klan, the Texas secessionist Klan, so he could escape from the daily reality that probably was his life for the first 10 years of his life of getting fucking the shit kicked out of him by by blacks in Chicago. Yeah, one of the one of the first few things he says is that like he he's looks around the room and he says he's not used to this many white people in one place. And you know, I guess I can uh, give him a pass for thinking that was a uh, overwhelmingly white audience he had, <laughs> <laughs> but sure, whatever. That's what he says. That's what he believes. Yeah, uh, uh, I want to. Okay, are we are we wrapping up with him? Because I want to shift into Rob. Because Rob's the yeah, only white character. He's the only white character in this. Yeah, thing. He's, that's right. He literally is the only white person of, of the four that they profile. 
and mm-hmm. he is um, he is put forward as a model. He is doing it. He came in through the traditional route of interviewing with the, with the uh, American Legion. He's in JRTC. He's trying to go to a service academy, or I think he did. He made it to West Point, actually. Uh, they say, and his job is to be the model white guy who's willing to, to join the military and fight for the flag, but also to acquiesce, uh, you know, and be, you know, very uh, like his his moment of like, oh, I I my his becoming mature is also stepping aside, and that's uh what he's there to he's there as the model for the white kids like hey it's your only option is to go fight for zog for prestige and in politics your job is to acquiesce before steven and renee uh steve or stefan and renee and and he and they kind of actually almost kick him out of the documentary after like he does that he's he basically just comes in cucks and leaves yeah the thing is like (laughs) doesn't elaborate when, when you first uh, are introduced to him, he, he seems the most eager to, to just win, to go in and kick ass. Uh, and it was uh, so obvious to me that it it struck me at that moment, like how much of a bias that having the having the camera rolling while you're participating, like biases the event, like you become a different person when you know the camera's on so that's going to affect how you present yourself to everybody else I, I uh, it, it sort of ruins the simulation uh as an external influence uh because it it gives a leg up for showboating uh you want to be a showboat because the camera's on you want to look good and you want to look cool who doesn't uh but like it 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 is a bias in the process and you like you act different and you think different when you know the camera's on you. I I think he would have at least been a contender, but the mere fact that he was 18 years old and most of those guys were 17. And I think his performance in this is a good indication of why I think you should redshirt your kids just to give them an edge. I mean, when you're in that environment having an extra half inch of height having an extra half a year of development or whatever it it really shows and at at one point he's walking around with his his boy state shirt off his white beater on and he has the big ass um crucifix on very very ostentatiously in a way that no one else there is is putting out shaking everyone's hand and he he does and <laughs> my 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 psychological profile of him on the abortion issue was he's from Texas there isn't any you know background reason for him to be pro choice except like he's concerned that uh his girlfriends will one of his girlfriends will get pregnant and she'll not have the option of aborting the of killing the kid uh so, so that's that's my thoughts on um, on uh, Rob. Yeah, uh, Rob is also like kind of. I don't know, it's between him and Steve Stefan Garza for like least interesting, because there's not she doesn't get too much screen time, and Steven's also really boring because his job is to just like be the protagonist and Hispanic, and that's it. Like he he's actually like he's kind of a he's actually not very charismatic 
uh, no, yeah. at all. Uh, he's he's chubby, unfortunately. Uh, you know, there are chubby people. That's how it goes. Um, and his I I the, I think he was he's made a corn to, demon. Yeah, he was. I, I really think he was made. He like he won the party election because he was Hispanic. I think there was a lot of off camera, like the people running the event or trying to progressive things up and biasing things because some of these things don't make sense. Uh, in they like the, the kids who did set the secession meaning they get like 12 votes or whatever. It wasn't even close. And I what, know that, what that was is they didn't have the tools to deal with these people where Renee was screaming at him during the um, during the vote on secession or what have you or impeachment, and they had been sitting there like the social democrats listening to Hitler pass the enabling act, just very quiet, very passive, um, and then they get screamed at. Sit down, sit down, sit down. Whereas if they had been more virile if they had the right ideological tools and the right contempt the right contempt for these people they would have I, been disrupting and 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 throwing right back at them and that's what i what the, you well so you'll notice in politics that he was be like yeah because uh renee was like disrupting them and stuff so here's where i think like the referees were stepping in is that he what like i guarantee you the session kids because it, like it implies a certain amount of like wildness were trying to do the same stuff of being a I, I think they were being dicks like that but they were getting shut down by the referees because the referees wanted to avoid a repeat of the previous year and it's that's like kind of the undertone of the whole thing is like oh they're not gonna i, I i'm sure they talked to the kids like hey you know take it very seriously and i think there was there were some like fingers on the scales throughout the event because uh, yeah. you know, when the adult comes up, it refer it changes things. Like, hey, and then we doesn't step in when when like, you know, when he's cooning, and the referees allow that, that affects the event. Well, you gotta you gotta remember they actually didn't get a chance to vote on the secession measure uh, to add it to the platform. Uh, what the the twelve to you know everybody else vote was was a mo a motion to impeach Renee. Uh, so there was an attempt to kick him out of the leadership position so they could get a, a vote on including secession on the ballot, which Renee was refusing to allow. He wouldn't entertain it. And so this is what prompted the secession now, or I mean the uh, impeachment, which I think the it was pretty clear that the impeachment was far less supported than the actual secession point itself. So you only get 12 people who are very like uh, lukewarm on on the you know vote itself. Uh, you even had one guy sit down like uh, when he realizes nobody else is standing up to or not not enough people are standing up to vote. That's oh in any there, way there was a line where Renee's like to the 12 people who voted against me, maybe start an inter intramural basketball team while you're at it. And I would have yeah. said, Jesus only needed 12, you fucking nigger faggot. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of him, I I didn't I, I 
I will deliver. OP will deliver on all on promises that are made. But what were the predictions again about Renee's family? Like, let's just quickly run that down again. I said white father, black. Mother. Okay. Okay, Nikkei. Uh, one mulatto, one black. Okay, and uh, Lewis. All, all black. He just light skinned. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna start. I got three pictures in here, and I'll let you guys uh react to this. I got. I got. I have to screenshot each one. So one second. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> uh, and I and I have. The, I made sure to prove. I made sure I had proof of this. So here we go. Here's here's the proof on this one. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Uh, here comes. All right. Congratulations. You won. Congratulations. Oh. It was Keg's, right? Yeah, congratulations, yeah, that, Keg. That was mine. <laughs> <laughs> Keg's got it. Yeah. When being an Eminem fan goes too far. <laughs> he, and he, he really does. I mean, he it's the living embodiment of that of the Robert De Niro meme with his kids. <laughs> yeah. That's he crap. looks nothing like him. I just think of Eight Mile, where it's like Clarence's parents got a real nice marriage. Am I wrong to say that he doesn't look mulatto? Like his skin tone isn't light enough. Uh, he could no. I, I I didn't think he was mulatto either. I, like I, his I mom if I had... really won out in the phenotype race. Yeah. Yeah. If I well, that's his, that's his sister right there in the in the one picture you're looking at. Yeah, in the picture with the, with the truck, that's the mom. The mom is yeah, a dark, dark. Yeah, no, you know, dark girl, dark mom there. Oh, you're talking she, about the truck she, picture, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she won out, like, because he's just not, he's not light enough to, to be what I picture mulatto. His yeah. younger brother has, on the top of the truck, has some more white features, for sure. Oh, yeah, but, definitely. Uh, But, yeah. Uh, my, my, mulatto, my mulatto senses are clearly... Uh, rusty because i he didn't he didn't i didn't he didn't, i didn't think I, I just assumed uh both light-skinned parents basically that's what i have assumed or not so, li- well just lighter yeah all right so i gotta ask kegs why white dad and not a, uh the other way around i just mean because he uh could speak eloquently just the the masculine figure in his life i i just got the sense that he had had contempt for he, it was. It's like that. It's like the Hapa thing where they uh, they resent the white. They resent the white father. Very yeah. very observant. Bravo. Yeah, there there actually is circumstantial evidence as well that uh, I I know this is a diversion here, but there is circumstantial evidence as well as that uh, Hapas that have a Asian father don't have the same amount of hangups that the reverse situation do. Hmm. Yeah, both of them. Anyways, <laughs> I I got I got so invested in that I don't I don't remember where where we're at right now. I don't know. Uh, just just to be a little shit posty, I want to I want to send you a, a screenshot of one of my notes. Uh, yep. <laughs> Gets impeached, gay nigger. <laughs> I, I see, I see Nikkei's very thorough in his notes in the same way that I am. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, is, is there, I, I guess we don't really have to talk about Renee as a person until we, like, specifically, I mean, he, he'll come up in other, um, events we discuss, but, uh, 
Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I, mean, I, I do want to point out with Renee is there were like six or so I saw like real dark darts there. And they were like all hanging out and like at one scene, they're all like driving or whatever off the side together. And Renee is like in the white kid group. Like his identity is is purely like he, he likes politics and his, his identity is political. He doesn't actually like hang out with the black kids. Oh, uh, he, which had, is, he had some white boys following him around like fucking barnacles, like uh, <laughs> fucking AIDS patient zero on a on a twink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to go back to I mean, to Robert, I, I, it was kind of pathetic from like a the gay town the gay town do god gay niggers yeah. <laughs> Appropriate that he also has that French name, Rene. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I want to go back to, to Robert um, just to speak to something, another like specific point I had on him. It's that he's like the, the first person that's just openly a liar. And it, it you know, you, you see later how Stephen becomes a liar, but he's the first one to be forthright with it. Where he's just says, I, I re quickly realized that I had to run on what people wanted to hear. And yeah. so he didn't uh, present his real views on on things. He he was just a disingenuous showboat. Yeah. And when Stephen uh, basically tells a lie, it's it's very like forgivable and shot quickly. And it's like. Oh, he he said, he said like such like I'm I'm for gun rights or whatever, and he's really like not. But it was it was considered very excusable. Whereas anything that uh, Feinstein or Robert do that's bad is like focused on, and there's li lingering camera shots of him of like self doubt. Where with Stephen, it's like oh, I'm all for gun rights, bro. Trust me, and like it's just taken at face value. I I think there is something specially contemptible though about faking your position on abortion in a way that in in a I don't know maybe it's because kind of also like it, he's like a traitor from our perspective too whereas you know Esteban yeah, if you're fooled by Esteban you kind of deserve to get fooled yeah. Rob though it, it is kind of it uniquely contemptible yeah, but also like I think I, I'm I'm so used to like people lying about that position because <laughs> I'm from a conservative state, so like yeah, that's like well, that's the Republican Party does and is like that was arguably the a perfect model. It, it's interesting to note that everybody is a libtard, like you know, uh, in in the truest sense, except except Ben Feinstein, he's the only one who has like the uh, the uh, conservative individualist perspective. Doesn't he say Ben Shapiro is his model? Basically, people, he said like people were calling him the new Ben Shapiro. Uh, yeah. no, he, he said he also brought like someone. He he also compared uh, Eddie his his governor to kind of, he said he's like Ben Shapiro. He has all the facts. He's prepared, and like he used that as like a positive point of comparison. I got a strong Groiper vibe off of this documentary at times. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, 
just like Boys State, if you go to AFPAC, you'll have some BBC documentarians filming you as well. So, right? <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. I was just I was just looking at the notes here. Federalists versus Nationalists is basically Democrats versus Republicans, and they're led by a Jew and a gay black, respectively. How perfect. Yep. No, it's it's quite fitting. Um, it's also funny. I mean, the the names of the parties don't mean anything. They're supposed to be sure, like just vaguely political, uh, but not real. But you have gay nigger nationalists. <laughs> it's just like it, it. At times, it was hard for me to take it seriously when he's like, you know. I want to lead you, the Nationalist Party. Uh, other moments where he's just hyping up the party, which was his job, but like the fact that it's called the Nationalist Party and that's who he is, is just like, it sort of breaks my immersion. I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I did. Uh, it, it was, I kept getting like just weird vibes and, and feelings. And it was just, my wife watched it with me and it doesn't, it's not often that, she walks off in the middle of a movie because you just can't take it anymore. Really? I didn't ever, she, I didn't have any moments. She said something like the effect it. of this is too cringe. She said something to the effect of this is too cringe, even for me. Hmm. I mean, if I had to replay a random, like one hour of randomly selected footage of when I was 17 years old, I would absolutely be cringing into a, a cannonball. Yeah, and a lot of that's just because these are these are kids. But what's what I found interesting is that the kind. I mean, I, I know this is a very self-selected, really group of kids. Uh, these are essentially an aspiring an aspiring uh, janissary class that's that's doing all this. But the there was so, somebody in this movie said something to the effect of i wrote this down you can't win on what you believe in your heart and i just remember thinking about the the william joyce quote that he had from the from the beginning of twilight over england which i was trying to pull up and i'm i'm having trouble trouble finding it right now but basically although just repeat it from memory that so william joyce said something to the effect of somebody once said to me that that I'm hurting my chance in politics by going on with what I'm what I'm going on about. And I said to him, oh, hey, what, how, did he, how did he phrase it? The way that he, he phrases that I'm not in politics in order to get on, but to say things that I think and feel consequences be damned. And I believe that attitude is still preferred greatly by the common man more than any other attitude. He said something to that effect. And I just remember, and just I, I kept thinking about that while I was watching this, where you have this, you have these wannabe political operat operatives like strategizing over every little thing, and that's that, that's that's just instinctively revolting. The idea like that you're strategizing what should basically be the truth and convictions. Yeah, no, I mean that's sort of how things played out when I was in Boy State. You know, we talked about like what we believed and like crafted the, the best way to present that message when running for positions. And, uh, you know, it, it was like a group effort just to come up with a just clever rhetoric to say what we actually think, not like what what is the the best opinion to have to to win. It's like we it, it was 
it, it's the reverse process. Instead of having positions and making them winnable, it's uh, looking to see what you think is winnable and making them your positions. So I, f- I found the quote and I, and I want to do because I want to do it justice. Moreover, I have always believed in the face of experienced advice to the contrary, that he who speaks the truth with passion and conviction is a better propagandist than he who burns the midnight oil, considering in what way a program can best be put before the people. And there may, of course, be different opinions on this subject. But as I once said to a colleague who told me I was damaging my chances in politics, I am not in politics because I want to get on, but because I feel and believe things that I consider it a duty to utter success be damned. I still think that this attitude is appreciated better than any other by ordinary people. I think it kind of comes back to like the, the, how this whole thing is kind of a tin soldier that it, the system is like, or the game is somewhat poorly designed in that respect that uh, there it's, well, it's not the point that it's a good reflection of like a two-party system in that in that way. But it just has all the flaws of the two-party system where the, it's basically like if you're trying to program people to be ideologically pro-democracy or pro-American democracy, you in theory are want to create radicals, but like the very nature of the system means there really can't be a radical for what it is. Uh, just because it's so alienating. Well, my my thought is like, why not at least at one of these things in any of the 50 states, just get nix the party system and see what sort of government arises naturally from 17-year-old boys kind of thrown out in the wild. You'd probably get fascism. Probably get... I think uh, <laughs> it's probably why the secession thing spooked him so much. Like you're not, when you're, I, when not, first... you're, you're not supposed to do that kind of stuff. You're not. There's an expectation that you don't do that. But when you unleash teenage boys who have at least the right instincts, that's what's going to happen. Well, I'll, I'll reply with my favorite Hitler quote, and I think it applies to this situation when they're they're trying to create a pro democracy program. What does democracy or authoritarian state mean for those international hyenas? They don't care at all. They are only interested in one thing. Are you willing to be plundered? Yes or no. Are you stupid enough to keep quiet in the process? Yes or no. When a democracy is stupid enough not to stand up, then it is good. But when an authoritarian state declares, you do not plunder our people any longer, neither from the inside or the outside, then it is bad. And I think an, I'm I'm confident that some sort of authoritarian government would arise, given, uh, in in a state of nature in which they could create they could create those conditions roughly. It is yeah, it well, is funny how many how many quotes from Mein Kampf apply to this movie because I pulled a couple myself. Uh, ooh, can we call the show Boys Weimar? <laughs> uh, try, I still got. I still got. I still got to post the show art in the uh, in the chat here. The one, the one that Lightus did for this. So I have it right here. Let me let me go ahead and download that, and I'll put this in, pop this into the chat for you guys, so you can see uh, what uh, what idea he came up with when I was describing to him uh, this movie. Here, here it comes right here. There you go. Let's see what you guys think about that. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> There's going to be so many comments just on this. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. See how my nigga. Uh, speaking speaking of uh, some some Jazz right. quotes here. Here's a couple I, I pulled as well. It isn't the aim of our modern democratic parliamentary system to bring together an assembly of intelligent and well-informed men. The aim, rather, is to bring together a group of non-entities who are dependent on others for their views and who can be all the more easily led the narrower their mental outlook. This is the only way that party policy, according to the evil meaning it has today, can be put into effect. The parliamentary institution attracts liars and moles, people who shun the light of day. No upright men... No upright man who is ready to accept personal responsibility for his acts will be attracted to such an institution. And then the other one I have is where we some of the uh, the debates that would go on. The intellectual level of the debate was quite low. Sometimes the debaters didn't make themselves intelligible at all. Several of those present didn't speak German, but only their Slav vernaculars or dialects. Thus, I had the opportunity of hearing with my own ears what I had previously known only by reading the newspapers. A turbulent mass of people all gesticulating and screaming at one another a pathetic old man shaking his bell and making frantic efforts to call the house to order by friendly appeals, exhortations, and grave warnings. Wow, it's like when you step into Walmart and the uh, the black man is screaming at the Mexican woman. I feel that, Hitler. <laughs> I really do. When Adolf Hitler said that, I felt that. Yeah. So true. Uh, that's a good point. Do you want? I want to. Do you want to transition like the 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 meme war element of this yes. thing? I, I would love that. Okay. What? Go ahead, Nikkei. I was gonna say like, uh, I, oh, I was gonna suggest we transition to like just uh going through the the different acts. Like, the introductions are basically Act One. Act Two is the primary showdown between uh Robert and Stephen. Uh, do we want to like discuss like what actually happens in more detail? I'll kind of leave it up to you guys if uh. If you have, if you have anything that you guys want to cover that we can do that then kind of move over to the meme war because that's kind of in Act Three anyways. Right? Yeah. Well, the yeah, meme war we might as well outline. Well, the okay, meme let's, war let's starts. Start... Yeah. Okay. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Lewis. Well, there's like the first shot in the meme war is in part two where uh, it's the meme war is an effort. It's to uh, it's part of the effort to impeach Renee is when the first Instagram page. Uh, happens and uh it's not effective right which kind of goes contrary because the meme more in part three picks up and they're doing a trump it's they're doing a trump thing right like oh uh the 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 trumpy feinstein has created this meme page uh and they make all these like very cringe zoomer memes and this is like kind of given as like the reason they ultimately win and uh yeah ben's got a quote in that you have to use personal attacks and you have to find divisive issues in order to differentiate yourself at all yeah which is a good critique of like two-party <laughs> fucking democracy also you know you put, that could be in mind Kampf. yeah i mean like it's basically and it shows how, how like it really kind of gives you like a, a basic breakdown of how because the term finkel think think is thrown around quite a bit um, to the point that I think sometimes people may have trouble defining it exactly. It becomes one of those things that even even if you know what it is, you have trouble. You might have trouble describing what it is exactly. This movie kind of gives you a a crash course in that. 
yeah. So the, the the meme war happens and it's like super cringe. Uh, there, it's just like tech. It's just like labeled images with things. And there's also a really interesting part of in part two when they discuss the meme war, and it's one of the fakest shots in the movie. It's actually it, it's like the base of my kind of final point for the whole thing. But one of the kids is uh, scrolling through Instagram. And he sees the he's like scrolling political memes, and one of the memes that the camera really focuses on. It's a that's how you know kind of it's a fake shot because like it's an over the shoulders of the kid's face isn't in it, and yeah, it's, it's like it's the, just so and, and the subject matter is just too perfect. It's the cringe Morpheus red pill blue pill meme, and it's what if I told you that corporations control politics or some something gay like that. But they like focus on the red pill, obviously, and the kid's face is like very intentionally not in it. And the best part of this shot is that as the kid's scrolling, his Instagram pings with uh, "You are not currently online." Like ah, connect to so you know they fake that whole shot. Good pick because up. no one, no one scrolling <laughs> memes offline. It's like it's retarded. Like you don't doom scroll without connection. No one does that. No one like preloads. <laughs> I you don't like preload memes to Doom Scroll in future like by downloading them. No, they had this kid download this meme on his phone with the red pill on it and hold it to where they get a shot of him. It's extremely fake and it's just trying to invoke the Trump thing. And there's a lot of Trump invoking and like implying that like Trump won because he had these like Ben Feinstein, Karl Rove types with him, but that's like not what happened like we were i was there that's not trump didn't win because he like outfoxed hillary clinton on like her being evil like it, it like it, they they're trying to really shoehorn like this trump thing into it when it's 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 really not about that like the whole game is like designed to all pre- like, prevent a trump-like figure in a lot of ways um I, th- I think it's right. worth just taking in what the documentarian himself looks like. Like if you look up and you're listening right now, look up Jesse Moss on Wikipedia. Yeah. I mean, him and yeah. uh, Scott Wiener are cut from the same cloth. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no early life on him. And I tend to be very skeptical of people who try to do the physiognomy one, but I'm going to give this one to the physiognomy. He, bros. No, I, I looked it up. He had an interview. He said he's from a, a secular Jewish up, okay. upbringing. Yeah. He just, des- no, he described himself as a secular Jewish filmmaker. So he, he, I mean, he, he described his filmmaking perspective as Jewish. I mean, maybe not religiously Jewish, but Jewish in itself. I mean, and he also wor- looks like he, I'm looking at it right here. He worked for Congressman Vic Fazio. Hmm. So he's, he's got some experience working in the political system as well. Huh. Was there anything else you guys had with, with the, <laughs> is there anything else you guys had with the meme war thing? Or do you want to kind of uh, continue on through, uh, through uh, act two and act three and kind of wrap it up there? Uh, I have a little more in that the uh, when I was looking at the commentary from the Reddit threads, they compared oh, it. Oh God, uh, I, did, I didn't realize that the guy who directed Boyce had also directed that that Mayor Pete documentary, the one that nice. got uh, review bombed on Amazon. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Uh, what was it? 
don't know if I lost it. Mayor Pete pushed it out of my mind, I think. <laughs> uh, as he, I mean, uh, I was looking at now I'm looking at his filmography. It looks like he he did one on Civil War reenactors, and it's like thinking of like decrepit like goy institutions that this guy is yeah. kind of recording. <laughs> I, I remember my point. So with the Reddit threads, they I was because I wanted to see like what the normie analysis of this was because this, this movie is like designed for redditors. It's on Apple TV only. It's like won all kind yeah. of Sundance awards. And one thing is they compared Feinstein and his meme war quite, I think, actually insightfully to like TPUSA tier stuff. Like they called him oh, yeah. like the they called him like the Turning Point kid. Uh, and they don't ever reference Turning Point in this movie, which I kind of found surprising because Turning Point also kind of hangs over this film a little bit of ways, and that like it's like they are the face of like dumb Zoomer conservatism, and this is like what they're kind of portrayed Texans kids to be, uh, which is interesting. So, and that's, and you, you do get like a, I, you do get a very turning point vibe uh, from Feinstein and his meme war. The memes are designed to be inoffensive, actually, with the trappings of some offensiveness. Like, there's like some, maybe like a, there's one meme that was like arguably like for, it's like a violent scene from a video game. And that's, that's about, but like that's about it. It's not actually edgy. Same with like the red pill meme. It's not actually edgy. It's this kind of turning point edgy. I think if you will, uh, back to the the awful days of Bernie Sanders' dank meme stash, the notorious Facebook page, where everyone every redditor who got on you know the Bernie bread line was a. Uh, uh, just making these very low effort shit posts that people could share around and, you know, just get name recognition. That That's what it reminded me of more so than TPUSA, but I ignore TPUSA. So I, it's probably a better comparison. Yeah. I guess we've got to act three now, right? Or act two. Yeah, you guys can move on to Act Three. I'm just, well, um, you guys go ahead, uh, keep going. I'll be right back. I did just want to quickly like summarize the conclusion of Act Two. So it's the primary race between uh, Stephen and Robert. Uh, they have a initial runoff um, election, like the first round of votes in the primary is a runoff, and it it's goes down between these two, uh, and they're in truth they're both liberals uh steven you know when you first are introduced to him when he's getting on the bus to go to the uh to boy state he's wearing a his beto t-shirt uh so he's like a active like libtard activist and that that's his thing and and uh, i want to reiterate it's explicit that his mother's an illegal immigrant yes <laughs> yeah he, he makes a point of uh of talking about this and uh, so after the first round of, of votes, Robert is like really rethinking his whole candidacy. He doesn't believe he's the best choice. He, he outright admits that Stephen is the right man for the job. And uh, he he's encouraged not to just give up, to make an honest attempt, uh, you know, and outflank um Stephen on 
what he thinks are the most popular issues. Uh, but he he makes a blunder. He comes off as less personable. Stephen's whole speech that he gives is very from the heart. Like this is who I am. Uh, it's not like convincing, but it's it it is a better speech than what Robert gives. Uh, so wins by Ro Robert forgets his fucking Hispanic name too. He calls him like uh, <laughs> he calls him like Garcia Gar or like Gonzo or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, yes. I I, I actually saw like a major thumb on the scale here. Um, cause like, so there was like the first round of elections or whatever. And, uh, Robert, Rob got like a low percentage, but all the progressive, cause like Stevens running as a like kind of openly pretty progressive candidate. And you would assume, I think without thumbs in the scale that like the guy doing conservatism would have just, uh, organized the conservative votes that didn't vote for the progressive and, and crushed him. But I, I think there was some like thumb scaling from the organizers that like, and I don't, I, I, cause you can do it pretty subtly as an adult, like, okay, guys now vote for the most serious candidate and like show that as that's kind of an endorsement because I think the organizers and also Stephen having the film crew following him around. Uh, like I, I think in like a vacuum, if like this was like if there were if there was like a clean game, if you will, I think Robert actually would have won because it's in Texas and his thing was like gun rights in a conservative organization. Um, despite everything else aside, like I didn't, I was actually quite surprised that he didn't win, and I I really saw some thumbs on the scale in that way. Uh, which I I have a which gets to my final point that I'll make about like this not being a real movie. Or a real documentary. Well, there was one character who I thought he gave a great speech, but I guess he didn't make it too far. His name was Barrett, and his quote was, I believe our society is stronger when everyone is disciplined, yet dangerous. Our masculinity shall not be infringed. If you want the big guns, vote for the Barrett. Yeah, that was a great speech. I love that. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. was was he running for governor or was he running for a different position? I think he might have been running for party chair. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. It, it must have been against Ben, right? It was for the Federalists. Yeah, I don't recall him running against Renee. Yeah. But yeah, so Robert he he blows his his second round speech you know right off the bat by getting his name wrong and then having to apologize and say like i i did not mean that that was like not intentional I, you know he he even blames his notes that they weren't full enough he's like oh I, all i wrote was was a uh, sg instead of writing out his full name and so he makes himself look pretty like half-hearted here and you know the rest of his speech is trying to appeal to the conservative wing of the nationalists it, it it doesn't ring well uh steven gets very personal about his his activist history and like what it means to him he's anti-gun because of school shootings and he led the march for our lives in houston uh and he, he gets emotional um like it, it th that's what makes the speech not compelling 
in just objective terms, but definitely better than Roberts. So he won on a on a a weak emotional appeal that was able to uh, still stand like as the clearly superior speech to to Roberts sort of uh, failure to launch. And you know he does lose. Robert loses, and Stephen is the nominee. And that's that's that concludes the the second act of the show or of the movie. And they, uh, you know, now all attention is focused on on the big race. Uh, Robert becomes the first huge uh, stump uh, supporter for for Steve, and he puts all of his energy behind him and promoting him because you know he believes in his own heart that Stephen has the you know a flair of uh, authenticity that he admires and uh, well, that he even so believes much... is like more worthy than himself. Well, because they're so much more authentic than us. We're just white, you know. They have a real culture and a real identity. They're so much more authentic. Well, to be fair, I mean, Robert was the that's one the who message was explicitly lying. And yeah, you know, but that's the Stephen message you're, you're supposed. Yeah, but Stephen He's also was because Stephen was doing the bit where he talked about, oh, but I'm pro gun rights. Like he would always. He like, and it was, uh, but it, it was closer to the truth than than what Robert was doing. Yeah. Oh, I. I think it was Steven's well, first moment when he was saying, um, you know, you don't have a right to have a rocket launcher. And, of course, the hardcore Texans were, were fucking booing him. There were a couple <laughs> guys who were like, boo. I don't know. Um, Nikkei, with your experience at Boy State, it was kind of the inverse of at least my experience where the – extra non-election experiences were reduced to B-roll and it was centered around the election, which I mean, from the filmmaker's perspective, they got to tie it together. But at least from my experience, once you kind of had your first couple settled in and it, it wasn't as focused as personalities and on elections and on election machines. I mean, there was also a lot of stuff like the lectures and you had to take the ASVAB, you had to register for selective service. So basically you got to sign up for Israel's army, um, onward Christian soldiers. Um, I don't know. Do you recall any of the lectures in particular, EK? That you had to go through yeah we had a lot of um uh just like personal enrichment lectures uh one of the ones that was like most influential to me was just a, a personal finance lecture discussing how the financial system works uh you know the red pill on credit scores etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, uh we had one guy who was uh an fbi agent who was tasked with uh with targeting gangs. And that was really cool just to hear him talk about like, you know, these are the, the thug niggas we deal with and this is the personality type. And this is how we take down, uh, you know, drug dealing gangs and cartels, etc. cetera. Uh, uh, my, my personal favorite moment was uh, a particular elected official who uh, was like the first politician I looked up to just because I really respected the the race that he he ran his his whole campaign, 
um, he he was like the the third of uh, behind two big names in the in state politics uh, with plenty of experience. He was the newcomer, and these these two uh, candidates like attack each other viciously, making like very immature personal attacks. And I you know I was like eight years old when this election was happening. And I, I see this on the news and uh, playing out on TV. And I'm like, what about this other guy who just has these, you know, ideas that he he's not engaging in this like really petty bullshit. And then he ends up winning because of it. Uh, people like the state rejected these two uh, really experienced and like overqualified candidates uh, because they were just so immature. And that was like one of the first moments that like inspired me uh, to become more interested in politics. And I was able to, you know, uh, to talk to this guy and tell him, you know, what he meant to me in terms of like my, my own development and interest in politics. And I mean, his, his lecture was, uh, just about his job. Um, but yeah, you know, it was moments like uh, that, that really stuck out to me. And, and I would still say if you're a parent looking to send your kid or even, I mean, there probably are like 14 year olds and 15 year olds who listen to racist podcasts. Let's be honest. Um, I, I would recommend still you attend Boys State. I'm not sure if you'd make the same recommendation, especially if you're not in a larger or libtarded state. Um, just alone on the quality of the other boys you'll meet and the connections you have the potential to make. And I, I was just asking Nikkei to, to try and give listeners this kind of the real sense of what actually happens at Boys State, that it's not just one giant election between governor candidates and it's all centered around that. Cause again, that's not the sense I got. And there was instruction and lectures from the legionnaires. And, and I thought that was meaningful that these guys who were Korean and Vietnam vets for the most part were speaking to us about patriotism, about service, about sacrifice back when I still believed in the United States. And I, you know, you can be not gung-ho on the United States as an institution, but get a sense of the masculinity and get a sense of the life experience of the elders of your society by still going to this institution. Oh, yeah. Def definitely go. It's a blast. I mean, especially if you're going to, to go in as the, you know, avowed, but not, uh, like personally avowed, but not explicit national socialist, like be the implicit national socialist in the room and you will have so much fun. Uh, it's it it'll be great to see you know well, what you say and how you influence this, everybody else in the room like you'll love there to was, watch it unfold there was someone in florida boys state 1989 who did an in-character hitler all of for all of his speeches and he the, apparently the majority of boys state were were giving him the pile hitler salute when That's he was awesome. giving this okay. i gotta look i gotta look this up now uh, yeah. What what uh, positions were you elected to? Legion, Legion apologizes for Nazi type salutes at Boy State. 
<laughs> Boys, stay awake. That article, it only made the news after like a Jew complained about it. So you have like literal World War II veterans in you know 1990 watching like kids throw up sea piles and they don't give I a gotta shit. Read, it's like, I gotta read this. Okay. Florida's top American Legion officer has apologized following complaints that participants in a boy state session used Nazi-style salutes to greet a teenager speaking with a German accent. The incident occurred during mock government elections at the 46th session of Florida State's Florida Boy State held. Okay, anyways, skip again. More than half of the 568 participants gave the Nazi-type arm salute June 29th in response to a teenage speaker. The Miami Herald reported Thursday. The unidentified boy spoke in German or in a heavily accented manner intended to sound like German while supporters marched on stage behind him, the newspaper said. That is awesome. The, the Legion's department a uh, adjutant, uh, Dyke Shannon of Orlando, said the boy had a, <laughs> had a mannerism. Wait, 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 wait. Spell the, that the name for me. D-Y-K-E Shannon. <laughs> the Legion's department adjutant. More like Kike Shannon. <laughs> Dyke Shannon of Orlando said the boy had a mannerism of speech and gestures that some boys apparently thought was reminiscent of Adolf Hitler. The salutes started as a way of mocking him, but the boy and some of the other students got carried away. Shannon said, "This is what this is why they're worried about jokes. Like it starts out of joking, and it's only you find yourself reading Mein Kampf and very seriously." The boy ran for several political offices in the mock government, including governor, but lost. Organizers voted to give him their annual Spirit Award in recognition of his enthusiasm. The award <laughs> prompted several students and parents to complain, and the American Legion's top state official apologized to them Wednesday. The American Legion does not in any way, shape, or form wish to promote any type of Nazi ideas, and I don't think anything was ever said that would suggest that, Shannon said. The young man, what he spoke, was running for offices and giving an Americanism speech. The content of what he said was as red, white, and blue as could be, Shannon said. He attributed the incidents to immaturity and a lack of judgment on the part of the 16- and 17-year-old participants. Daniel Fickle, a Coral Gables High School senior who attended Boy State, said the incident was fairly innocent at the start, but it got out of hand and it should have been stopped. It ended up being very insulting, Fickle said. Now here, here's here's the biggest bullshit line right here. Being Jewish is secondary to why I was offended. Said ah. Daniel. Said Daniel <laughs> Olfelder, sixteen, a student at Leon High School in Tallahassee. The American Legion represents men who fought and men who died in World War II. So I thought it was hypocritical of them to let it go on. Shannon said he saw a, a relatively few students offering the salute and was disturbed by it, but didn't want to cause a scene. With hindsight, Shannon said he wished he and other organizers had called a stop to the incident. Olfelder's father, Steve, said he appreciated the apology. I think the Legion is to be commended for recognizing a mistake, and I appreciate that Mr. Shannon is moving quickly to take corrective action. Well, it's like the one time they're appreciative of uh, of whatever you do to rectify your their <laughs> their accusations. I mean, and if it's 1990 or 89, the people at our thing were all 75, 65 probably more closer to. So it would have been World War II veterans who were the legionnaires at this particular event. And yeah. <laughs> they they saw no problem with letting uh, letting kids see Kyle. It's amazing. <laughs> so I 
I, I, I'm curious, uh, Kegs, what, what positions were you elected to at Boise State? I, I think I was like county party, like a county party official. I think I ran for like county, um, what, whatever the county equivalent. We had, we had counties. Uh, I, I didn't participate as much in the elections as I probably could have. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I had a great experience, but I, I wasn't a, a big electoral uh, success. I had, so, uh, I was uh, okay, go ahead. the uh, uh, chaplain and state senator, and I had so much fun as chaplain. Um, that was that was like my my opportunity to just go off and uh you know i i took the uh the role seriously uh and also uh jocularly where i would make sure we pray before every event but i would uh make my make my prayers uh lighthearted and uh and encouraging you know uh sort of like uh oh, like exaggerating the uh the situation like you know I almost ironically uh, taking it seriously, but uh, it, it was just a, it was just a blast, and uh, I would recommend this this opportunity to, to anybody out there. And not to mention the fact, you know, the whole uh, stuff they tell you about resumes and the uh, scholarships. That stuff is good too. You know that the money helps, um, but it, it's just fun. Why not? What else are you going to do over the summer? Well, I guess I think we can close out this episode with a final topic. Uh, Lewis, you you did you've got an expose. You've been digging into the lies of this movie. Uh, yes. So this movie is like it's as fake as the Avengers. Um, and to give and I, I have a ton of I have tons of examples and evidence. But my my biggest thing, if you will, is these filmmakers uh, have a they, it's not their first film, obviously. They've done a few, and they're uh, they're big proponents and practitioners of something called uh, cinema verite. It's like a it's a truthful cinema. It's like a it's a French yeah. word, observational drama documentaries. The normal way you do that is you find a person, a, a subject, and you follow them for like a month at a minimum. You do like usually three to six months with these people, and then you kind of they call it like you find it. You find the narrative, and as you edit, um, the problem with this Which is if that you, if, if you want if you want an example of that, that was um, the of a recent one that that follows that formula. Kind of it would be the Alpinist. If anyone's seen that documentary about the uh, the climber, and you could see that they had to shape the they had to figure out what the narrative was over the time period that they filmed it. But go and ahead, sorry, a, I just want to give people an example. A, yeah, and that's a totally valid way of doing a documentary. Um, a hundred percent, you know, obviously you kind of are putting a story to somebody's life. Uh, it's, it's, and that's great. Like, I, I don't have a problem with it as a documentary style. It's arguably one of the more truthful ones. The problem is that's their style and they, and that's the style they even, it's, this is even shot in certain similar ways, but this was done in a seven day process. Uh, which is you can't actually do that. You need to have a you can't do observational cinema in over a seven day event unless it's like a 
a very specific thing. It's not this. So they came in with a narrative and edited around that because that's what they know. Uh, and I and it was I think it was truthful, or it's truthful in that like these things happened. But there's certain like glaring examples that show this thing to be fake. the The biggest one is that so Eddie and uh, Feinstein uh, win the election, uh, and there's certain things they don't include that are very telling, like the vote count. Um, the narrative is that the the Garza is and uh, Renee are winning the whole time, and Feinstein pulls this dirty trick where um, Renee does some like technical thing in a uh, in one of the, like the small first debates that uh, so Eddie can't give his prepared speech. He was going to like a Q and A, and uh, Renee had some power in that like district or county and shot it down, uh, and they use that as him like him cheating and it's like a smear that the other side is cheating and that's what made them win that and the instagram page uh there are the kids in boy state are like online and they've actually like reviewed the film and every single also like counselors were there and they've talked about it every single person who i found a real except for like the documentarians who is actually there they say, oh, it's a great film. It's very honest or whatever because it's, it's such an award-winning film. It's got all the social proof. But their biggest thing is that Eddie, who is the other candidate, who's not in the film, uh, he's really portrayed like poorly. He uh, is like they could, like he's like a dumb, like a Kennedy type, where they're, and it's just the Feinstein behind him doing all the work. Everyone says, oh, Eddie came in and he, he had really done his homework on what the event was and he wanted to win governor. And he was charismatic and friendly, and he prepared all the stuff ahead of time. He was super prepared, uh, and he just rocked the event. He was very friendly with people on both sides. It's a popularity contest, and he was the most popular kid. Uh, the 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 machinations of Feinstein didn't really affect it. There's obviously the fake meme shots, and other and one of the biggest things for me is the was the fact that they focused on the memes. And they made it like Eddie into like a Trump kind of figure uh, that he didn't have any substance compared to uh, uh, Stephen. And that's it's everything I've seen people I think that wasn't true. Uh, Stephen had like really good speeches. I'm oh, sorry, Eddie had good speech on issues and had like facts and figures and stuff. And uh, Stephen was doing like the kind of immigrant emotional appeal that kind of wore thin. And they, they don't notice the go count. They make it look like it was an upset. And the biggest thing that stands up to me, like, uh, and they mentioned that, like, only, uh, like, they make it seem as if only one side of this had, like, Instagram page doing memes. And if the other party didn't have, like, a, a social media page doing memes, like, I don't believe that. Like, 100, like there was clearly, like, a meme war. And they just pretend one side, like, didn't participate. And if you tell me that like there was a fake election at a boy state in 2018 and one side was doing memes and the other side didn't, I believe that as much as I believe like soap and lampshades. Like it's that's not that's just not how, how that would work. Uh, and, and there's all kinds of weird things like this. They also mentioned in the interviews that the documentarians got like they were halfway through the week 
and they had some like thing with Apple TV got approved and their budget like increased by like a hundredfold and they managed to get a ton more footage and they uh it doesn't quite actually you can't actually see that but I think that uh I think f- when you get a bunch of money like that it kind of forced them into doing a very instead of maybe doing a more like truthful thing they had to force it into being kind of a Trump thing with the, with the memes and the red pills and the our democracy bit and uh it all that kind of together and with there's some other things I'll probably mention as as I let the rest of y'all talk I'll think of it but like this wasn't a real movie there's like there's thumbs on the scales uh the this the American Legion wanted this done to show that they were becoming being more progressive that they had opened this event up to like public school students and we all know what that means yeah. like uh, I was looting I, I was taken aback by just how di- I mean like I know Texas is a diverse state but it just I actually I did just the just the amount of diversity I saw in this and I know they were, they're gonna focus on that it was just kind of stunning just to look at this it was just bizarre yeah there's one really cutting and evil thing not evil but like it's just it's fucked up that they did this thing like so they make Eddie out to be like this kind of airhead at one point he mentions like so Steven's whole thing is like, you know, Rio Grande Olympic gold medalist and whatever. You know, my, my mom's like the Michael Phelps of swim, of Rio Grande swimming. And that's like a big thing, part of his character. And at one point, um, Eddie says in his speech, because he's like, a, he's a, he's a, he's a WAP. He's like, oh, you know, my I'm a child of immigrants. He does like, he does that, says that once. And that's like shot. They, they put that in the movie right after, uh, Steven's something about being like, you know, the whole Rio Grande bit as if he's like doing a cheap copy thing, which is, uh, I don't think true. Like, I, I, I don't think he was like, you know, oh yeah, yeah. I'm an immigrant too thing. It's, it's, that's like silly. And I, it doesn't match with the character of what, how he, how he acts and how, how prepared they say he was. Uh, and I'm sure he mentioned at one point, he was like childhood immigrants and that gets linked to, and that gets linked to like, oh, the more authentic, uh, Stephen being a, a real illegal immigrant, you know, and uh, also the fact that Eddie just doesn't get any screen time. It's it's very silly, and he's kind of shown to be a, like the puppet of this, uh, you know, <laughs> you know this this like horrendous like Karl Rove Jew. It's 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 right. It's really like like they they it's they like rob this like actual person of his agency. And his success, like they attribute, like Boys State is. I'm not familiar with how true this is. Being the governor is like kind of like a Eagle Scout status in terms of like, you know, getting into the military academies and you meet the governor and you get your name in the paper. Like being the governor is a achievement, and they like eventually rob this kid that everyone who was there was like, oh yeah, he was the consensus best by shoehorning in their narrative about like of like scheming conservatives uh you know disenfranchising the poor democrats uh and it, it's clearly like you know bizarre and and like it's it, it, the movie it's a movie it's not they, they came to tell this story um about like try like you know oh the kids are all right or like the brown kids are all right 
and that's what they did and came to do. And uh, everything else was kind of like a, a sideshow uh, to that. Did I drop? Do y'all have anything? No, I just don't really have anything. I, uh, I was and I was muted. I, I was muted. I actually I was going to reply to all that, and I messed that up. Yeah, no, that would that would explain a lot. I I got a weird vibe and feeling off of this movie, and it really does come off manufactured at times. It one of the things that like it doesn't add up within the narrative that they present is like everybody is saying the whole time like, "Wow, this is a, a deeply conservative group here," and it's like a and I'm so out of my element politically. And then it's supposed to be a surprise that they lose for, you know, when they run on, you know, our lukewarm progressive uh, candidate. I mean, I, I think like every all the whole time they're saying how conservative everyone is. And like, you know, it, it, also they expect you to believe that they have they're running away with the lead with uh, with Stephen. I mean, my thought would be they could have covered more of the masculinity aspect of this or the transitional period from a boy to a man. And for many of these kids, and, and for me, this was really the first time I was, uh, I guess with like YMCA, YMCA camps or something, if, if you weren't in Boy Scouts, uh this this was the first time you were kind of away from home with only other young men or boys together and i think there could have been an interesting angle on that but they just turned it into stupid electoral politics drama not coming of age yeah no, I, like some of the the most like significant things that happened when i was at boys state were just like what they expected of you as an individual. Uh, for instance, room inspections. That was dead serious. They needed, they like demanded that you get your uh, your bed made the correct way or they're going to tear your shit up. Like they inspect your room. And if it's dirty, if it's uh, if your bed's not made properly, they're going to take all of your shit out of your bag, throw it across the floor, take your uh, uh, bedding and like have it strewn around the room and then they're going to yell at you and uh tell you to get it right now thankfully that never happened to me but i saw people that it happened to these these blacks that couldn't get the uh the quarter folds correct on their on their sheets uh like we we would go around the room helping everybody who uh who needed it but i guess they just didn't ask uh for it and they failed to you know do it themselves and they like they got reamed for it you know i got yelled at for having my hands in my pocket one of the lines that i'll never forget was uh the uh uh counselor uh for our city was like it's too early for pocket pool just yelling at me to get my hands out of my pocket <laughs> uh, i guess yeah some we can wrap it up here do you guys recommend this movie 
I don't. Uh, I, I found it to be a little bit boring. I mean, you can get it. There's some interesting stuff in it, but I I can't picture myself recommending this to anybody who looking for something to watch. Yeah, you could probably no. find better videos like on Boys State on YouTube. I haven't looked at any, but like I'm I'm sure somebody's must have done like a better interest piece than this. I recommend Boys State, just not the fucking documentary. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Go kick uh, ass any, and have a good time. Uh, be I was surprised that Apple TV bought like a ton. Like, so movie documentary awards like, are like a joke. Like, document awards for documentaries aren't real. It's like it's like a fake thing. Uh, they just bought <laughs> and paid for. Uh, it's like an open secret. Everybody knows that. That's not like a I'm not breaking any ground. But this movie won like tons of awards, um, and to, it's to promote like Apple TV, which is maybe the worst of all streaming services. It has this. I found because I, I tell you, you can watch this on Apple TV. I, I got the free trial. Apple TV has this wonderful feature because I, I had it for a free week. That uh, it has linked. You'll like this as a product. It has linked all the streaming services into itself. So you, if you search like a movie, I wanted to watch uh, Old Dune because I'd just seen New Dune, and I searched new, like Old Dune and Apple TV, and it comes up and says, "Hey." You want to buy Netflix and link it in your Apple TV? We don't have the movie, but you can like find it on the service. It's huh. it, it it so this is this is a fake documentary to promote a a paid streaming service aggregator. And if that's <laughs> and if that's not you know like twenty twenty one America you know you, you know what what is? Well, that feels like a perfect way to bring back uh, the pause button. I guess I'll do quickly do some an announcements here. So upcoming episodes, uh, I have two in particular that are that are coming up. There might be a couple more that I, I have to take a look at my my notes again. But a river runs through it, uh, which I still have to. I have the notes for that. I just got to figure that one out. But the next one, I'm gonna and I'm hoping to get this done next week. I got, I just have to rewatch everything and take notes and get back to the guys because I don't know if. Uh, What's going on with McNabb and his baby uh, just yet? But uh, Alien and accompanied by the documentary about it, Memory. I'm going to be doing that with Alex McNabb and Nick Mason. So that's that's my what I would like to be the next episode. If not, it'll probably be a river runs through it. It's going to be one of those two, though. So that's my upcoming stuff. As, as for hyper podcastism, um, I'm going to I have to sit down and read stuff, and that's a little bit hard right now. But now that I'm doing shows again, the the hiatus should be over. I don't want to promise people that I'm going to be back week to week, but I'm going to yep. make an active effort for it. So. If only uh, Wang Huning was as interesting as we thought he was going to be. Yeah, I, I don't know if I, I, uh, I maybe maybe just maybe I won't finish that series off. I don't know. I'll, I have to think about this, but right now I'm hungry. I want to go eat. So, <clears throat> gentlemen, thank you very much for coming back on to the pause button after its long hiatus. Um, but with that, I'm going to push the pause button on this.